Oh. Oh, good morning. Um, uh, uh, I appreciate Stephen sharing because uh, it's just the mindset that sometimes uh, in this series when just God is always working and he's working in our lives sometimes even when we don't see it. And um, I, I hope that you're encouraged by this. And I hope that we allow God to constantly renew our minds that um, he has placed us in our neighborhoods, schools, even the classes that you might attend, the people that you might constantly um, come by. Uh, there's a reason for that, that God will use us at every step. He loves people. And um, last week, I introduced um, this topic of maybe God has people waiting for us, this person of peace, right? And it can be anybody, and they're the people that are, uh, can be very key. Um, I have a friend uh, that really encouraged me in ministry early on when he, uh, years ago, when he was in, uh, when he was doing his doctoral work, he would go to a library. Remember those days, people? Remember? Hands? Yeah, remember? We'd go to a library because, yeah. And um, he went to the library and he met this man, this other young man there, and he was talking with him. And um, he started sharing a little bit about his faith. And this young man got really excited. He goes, man, this is such, this is really good news. He goes, yeah, that's why we call it the gospel. And he says, you know, I have some friends that really would love to hear this. So a few days later, he brought his friends to meet my friend Dan. Dan told him the gospel, and they became Christians. The next week, they're talking, and he goes, you know, I have some other friends that need to hear this. So he brought a few more friends, and a few of them became Christians, and some of them started this dialogue. The next week, he says, he's talking with them in the library, and he is so excited. He goes, you know, Dan, this is such, so many people need to hear this. He stands up in the library, and he says, may I have all of your attention? My friend Dan has the best news to tell you. Dan, stand up and tell them. <laughs> Dan's like, what are you doing? So he gets up and he shares a little bit, and he says about eight or ten people come over, and he goes, and a handful of them become Christians. The person that he was sharing with, that is just the biggest fan of his, it just loves the gospel, he actually didn't become a Christian <laughs> at that time, but was so excited, he started sharing it with everybody. That story has never left me because it just, it, it, leaves, it leaves me in this place of saying, God, like, what will you do in people's hearts? And I think coming out of the pandemic, I want, the one thing is I want our faith to energize us in a way that we have hope where uh, sometimes things feel stuck. And that first has to sit with us, right? It has to come from God working inside of us, that we start to have an optimism and a hope that God is doing things. And it's easy to think about how different things are, right? But yet, maybe God is recalibrating things for his work that's just about to happen, right? So, when we, so this week I want to go into, the, I want to talk about the... Uh, about the Church of Philippi and how it started. And so um, it, it's, uh, I'm going to read from Acts 16. But I want to give you a little, little context and background before I read. Um, the book of Acts, Jesus looks at the disciples and said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the earth. And that is the outline of Acts, right? It's just the gospel moving out into the world. And when Jesus came, I mean, he picks a fight with not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but really with the temple in Jerusalem, 
right? He's like, it can't be centralized. We're going to literally blow this thing up. We're taking it global. Everybody needs to know this, right? It's the promise in the Old Testament of Abraham that, that Jesus would be a blessing to all nations, right? So in Acts, all of a sudden, people that aren't Jewish become Christians. And the Jewish believers, that was not in their mindset, right? They were like, what? No. That, what happened? And so it happened enough, and not only did it happen, but these Gentiles, like most of us in this room, they receive the Holy Spirit, and they go, okay, we got to go to the top with this. So in Acts 15, they go, this message comes back to, uh, to the kind of the strong church back in Jerusalem, and they have what's called the Jerusalem Council. And they go, okay, so Gentiles are becoming Christians and receiving the Holy Spirit. And the church in Jerusalem goes, really? Oh, okay, thumbs up. Okay, we're all in on this. We bless that. And then they give some stipulations that were all things that uh, uh, were actually just Jewish traditions that we don't follow today. And so then, as soon as that happens, now the author comes to Luke 16. Gentiles are now in. The gospel is now going to be a blessing to every culture, every nation. And we read this. Paul is on his journey. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed Mycenae and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man, um, uh, a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, "Come to Macedonia and help us." After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, they put out to sea and sailed uh, to Samothrace, and the next day they went to Nepalopolis. From there, they traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the gates of Uh, the gates to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of uh, Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a, a, a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her house. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded them. This is how, this is how the church at Philippi got started. So um, when it comes to, uh, in our series, to come and, you know, this, this come and see, come and hear, Come and experience the gospel, that God is good. Um, many times, you have this picture. Now, when my girls were small, uh, I, um, uh, I wonder if you have a picture. Uh, we, had the, we, had, we had Where's Waldo? Does anybody remember these books, right? There was, uh, yeah, there was a thing on um, Instagram where somebody actually uh, went in and grabbed a few of these books, and they photocopied them perfectly, rebound them, but then went in and erased Waldo from every picture, right? So somebody would get it and be like, this is the most frustrating thing, right? But I remember with our daughters, right, what a fun experience developmentally to look for where it's Waldo. But what if this is one picture where 
you know, you, what if this was our view of what God wants us to do in the world? And we said, reach all of these people. And we go, okay, how do, how do we do that? All right? And so these are some of, some of the reasons why. Oh, we, maybe we set up a stand. Maybe we set up some banners. You know, what, what do we do? All right? And, and if you thought, okay, how long would it take you to learn all of their names, uh, to win trust with all of these people? And the difference would be, what if God just says, no, just, just find Waldo. <laughs> Waldo knows everybody. Everybody knows Waldo, right? Waldo's trusted. He understands all that com- those, those relationships, right? And so um, and it, it, it's a shift in mindset, but it's a shift from, if you think about it, if you think about this, this, pr- this process of God has people waiting, it's a shift from how, what do I have to do to convince all of these people to a mindset that says, okay, God, where is that person? It's a, a little bit more of, of an adventure, and then what is the process to finding that person? If we knew that that person was to unlock everybody. Now this, again, when you, when, if we're going into another culture, we'd be very mindful of this, right? right? And sometimes in our, own, in our own culture, we don't think this way because we're native to it, because we're one of these people walking around, right? Um, but in doing that, just that picture, like how would you reach those people? And think about the ways, the books that are written uh, in our church to, to, to think about people, oh, we would just invite all of those to a church service. So, so get off the beach enjoying yourself and come to our church, right? I mean, we have just all these different, different ways to do things, right? Um, and, and what a, but my encouragement is going from a mindset of how do I do this to eyes that say, God, where's, where are you working and it's a completely different kind of posture, right? We go from, uh, it, it really is a posture that turns and says, whoa, and it, and it takes, there's a, there's a lightning for me of my burden, right? That I, I, don't have to, I don't have to worry. So let's, as you go through Acts 16, I wanna, want you really to hear Paul's story. Is, as Paul is, as Paul is um, going out, the first thing is, as, as I've shared, is that, um, is that, Jesus' heart is for everybody in the world, right? By nature, we're tribal. Tribes go to war with each other. It's easy to reach just our people. That's always most comfortable. Nothing wrong with loving the people within our lives. Jesus is always the next people, the next people. And every time the Gospels faced, um, uh, you know, adversity, um, Jesus, I mean, the Spirit almost always has to do things to the church to make it go into the next, to the next cultures, to the next places, right? If you ever, um, anyway, if you've ever taken a perspectives class, this becomes very, it's, it's a great, great mindset to go, oh, God is, oh, yeah, he's always reaching out to the ends of the earth. Um, and so here's Paul. It's the only time in Scripture he goes, we had a plan to go over here, and then the Spirit of Jesus says no. And so this is just the most odd statement in all of the New Testament. Because um, there isn't a spirit of Jesus ever named anywhere else. But somehow Paul named it this because it must have been very strong, right? And there's a couple different things on it. But, uh, but just to say that, the, God says no. And then he has a vision of a man from Macedonia 
So then they head up, take a boat, and they get to literally the heart of Macedonia, which is Philippi. Now, Philippi is a Roman colony. Um, the Roman Empire had these colonies for their best people so they wouldn't miss the, the life of Rome, you know, with all the um, luxuries and all the culture that Rome had. So this was Philippi. There was no Jewish synagogue here. You needed to have a handful of Jewish men in order to have a synagogue, and there wasn't enough Jewish people in this area. So what Paul does is they go down in the mornings to the river to worship, right? So they didn't have any place to meet. They were total outsiders. There's hardly any Jewish people in this town. And then they go down and they meet this woman named Lydia. Lydia has a business. Lydia knows a lot of people. And, and it depends on the translation. Lydia is somebody who's been, God has already prepared. It's waiting, right? She knows, she, it says that uh, she, she is a, there's a, every translation does a little bit different. She's a God-fearer. She's a God-follower. She has a desire to know and serve God. So then when Paul shows up and gives her the granularity on who God is, her and her family respond immediately and say, not only do we respond, but you have to come stay with us. Because I see where you're staying, Paul, and that place is terrible. You have to come stay with us, right? And um, in not going through all of those details this morning, but just the honor it was, the identification to stay in somebody's house, the amount of credibility Paul's, uh, the gospel received when somebody local opened up their house and said, not only are we this way, you need to come meet these people. Stamp of approval on there. And you could imagine uh, the network and the trust that Lydia had throughout her, uh, you know, her, social, uh, her business and social network. Right? God had already been before her. So especially the places where the gospel did not have traction where they could, you could come in and have a discussion on Jesus being the Messiah with Jewish people. Almost every time it was in another, you know, it was, it was in a Gentile culture, it was very common for God to bring somebody, a person of peace, to lead the way, right? And as, we, as I mentioned last week and the week before, um, when we talked about the woman at the well, Right, same thing. The woman at the wall goes into town. She's known. She's notorious. So, um, just in, to give an overview, the, the per, somebody who is a person of peace that God's preparing, um, there's somebody who will welcome or receive you. They're open to your friendship. They have an interest in God's message, and they many times help or assist you in some way. They give, they they give the gospel some credibility, right? They stand up in a library and they say, you got to hear what this, what this man has to say, right? Something that he probably would never do. When I worked at City Team in downtown San Francisco, this is exclusively what we did, not only as I talked about uh, internationally, but all over San Francisco. We'd have men coming out of recovery and we would say, this is what we want you to do. We want you to go pray and see where God is working in the city. See if you find, just go out and find people, see if you find any people at peace, and they would do it. They would do it in neighborhoods that churches couldn't get traction in. We, every time we had a graduation, we would have just these different people showing up. One time we had these five men showing up because one of our guys started a knitting circle 
in one of the neighborhoods in San Francisco. And all of these people in the knitting circle came, right, looking to find, uh, and what he was doing is looking for that common ground, who are those people of peace, right? As, as, different, as, as different people um, um, started working in our year-and-a-half program where we had men who lived, uh, men coming out of addiction living in our program, uh, as they started working, that was one of their, that was always what they were doing. Always, they were always praying. It's one of the things we, uh, we worked into. And they became, um, it, and it became an adventure for them. It wasn't like, oh, I got to do this. It was almost like, okay, what's going to happen next? Right? It was always like, I, I can't wait. And they would, because they were always sharing their stories about who God was running them into. And they were already on this journey of recovery, which was hard and spiky, but they were always looking for places uh, to kind of grab a hold of, you know, and say, no, 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 the, the, my faith makes sense and this makes sense, right? Um, and so we would see this. Uh, we had one gentleman who, um, who graduated from our program, uh, uh, and, and Pedro graduated, and then he met, um, and Pedro originally was from Nicaragua, and um, I'm sorry, Pedro was from Argentina, but he met this uh, wonderful woman, and she was from Nicaragua. They got married, and then they started reaching out. They lived in um, uh, one of the San Francisco family uh, home, uh, Columbia Square, which had a lot of uh, families, and, it, and they started reaching out to people in their building and, and, uh, and other buildings, and uh, had an unbelievable, still to this day, have this unbelievable outreach in the city, very much underneath grassroots, always trying to find people right? Uh, reaching in uh, to communities, again, that sometimes are, were, uh, were, were hard to, uh, were difficult to reach. Most normal churches would never have any traction with them. And then, and then they went down to Nicaragua to visit family, and they reached out to their family there, and they started these two small, like, home group Bible studies. And out of those two small group Bible studies, they became four. They went back to, they came back to uh, to San Francisco, they became four groups, and then the groups became 20 groups, and then those 20 groups became 45 groups, and then they went to 200 groups, and then it jumped from Nicaragua to El Salvador, and then they jumped to Guatemala, <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're in San Francisco because these people just kept looking for other people of peace. They kept looking, and that was, that was part of the DNA of their small, small Bible studies, and anybody could do it. And pretty soon, we were going, we had some of, we, we kept flying them back down there once in a while uh, to help encourage the church there. And these churches were these small groups spread out all over the country. We figured out that we probably had five or 6,000 people a week meeting in these small groups from just, from just two small groups. So when this becomes your mindset, it's amazing what God can do. Now, I bring this up not as a pat on the back, but it was, it was, it was um, not only li- it was life-giving, but it was paradigm-shifting that God is outworking. The fields are ripe for harvest, and God is out there doing things. All we have to do is line up with what he's doing, is maybe start looking for him in a different way. Than, than what we're looking for, right? So I had, oh man, I have to think differently about this. I, I, I went to seminary. They kind of ruined me. They said, this is only one way to do it, right? And, um, 
And it was fun to experience God working in ways that, I, that would never be experienced. But they used that principle. So let me just talk really quickly. How do you find, how do you find that person of peace? What are, are, are some of the steps there, right? And talk about this. How, how do you find that as, as we've seen in Paul's story? Well, the first thing is this. And this is, uh, as, as an American, I love to have action. So here's the first item of action. The first item is prayer. Like everything you do, you pray and you pray and you pray. We want to see God work. It's almost like the first step is that you have to almost, you have to pray long and hard enough so that it's taken out of your hands. God loves to work. And the issue is sometimes that if he does something, we will take credit or partial credit for it. Think about the movements of God in, in our world and how often we associate that with individuals and people. And it's, again, beautiful when God works and you take your hands off and you say, we're not doing any of this. I, I, that's why I love, Stephen, your story. Like, God, God was doing this on his own. And so part of that happens by prayer. We pray and pray, and then when God does something, we go, whoa, 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 that's him. I just wasn't very persuasive. I just wasn't the, you know, the smart genius. Um, and if I say that personally, you'd be like, yeah, you're not the smart genius. But no, I just like you're, yeah. So you have to pray until it's out of your hands, right? So um, one, of my, one, of my, uh, one of my friends challenged me, and he said, hey, look, we're in San Francisco when I got up there. You need to, have you... Have you done like a prayer, prayer walk fasting thing? And, and, uh, and I said, uh, well, no, I pray for the city. But he goes, tell me more about it. So he kind of gave me an outline. It was, really, it was really great. So I tried it. What I would do is um, I fasted for the week. And their fast was that you, um, uh, in, in the country that he was from, he'd say, we, we don't eat during the day. Then we just have a very small meal at night. Not like a big meal at night, but just like a small, small meal, right, just to keep, keep you going. So I would pray and I would walk through the Tenderloin, around like UN Plaza and around like uh, city, uh, in downtown San Francisco, or, or, around uh, the downtown city, um, you know, um, you know, kind of capital building there. And I would do that. And the first day I did that, I was praying. And if you work in San Francisco in the nonprofit sector, you see the city and the things that it's doing and you're like, oh man. You know, you, you, you listen to what they're saying, and then you see what they're doing, and you see the hypocrisy, like you're saying you're helping the homeless, but you're kind of not at times, right? And so it's, it's easy to get frustrated. So my first day of praying, I'm like, God, you know, send down fire on this city. Right, you know, just like, God, you know, save this city. But you're, it's, I have animosity. And I just, the next day I go out, and the next day, and all of a sudden, I don't know how it happens, the Holy Spirit, by the end of the week, I am praying for... I'm praying for Ed Lee, who's the, right, at that time was the mayor. Like, I give him, like, I, I am for him. God had completely changed my heart. It's like God's like, no, I, he just, he, show, he started showing me. But it happened in a process. It's almost like I had to pray long enough to, to get God's heart and burden for the people. So then I'm walking around, God, help those people. What can we do? Like, I'm so for them in their positions that you've put them in. But that was not my natural standing, right? And I remember, so the so first thing is pray. Would God have you pray for your neighborhood? To pray 
for your school, to say, hey, one lunch, one lunch time, one, you know, I walk around my office, you know, I, I go through, I get, to, I get to class early on these days, and I just, I just sit outside, I just pray for the classroom. And sometimes we think we pray, and this is me, it's for those people. But really, many times it's, it's for me. God, change my heart first and foremost. Um, my friends who do this at a really high level, that all they do is plant churches and they're incredibly un- unbelievable women and men of God. They will make sure that everything they do, it's 24-hour prayer. They have a building. All it is is, okay, ever, who's in it this week? Everything they do, they go to unreached people groups. They go to people that are very, uh, groups that are very counter to the gospel. And they go, we're not going to go until we've prayed and then God release, it releases us there. Not only prayer, but the second thing would be passion. It's kind of the second part that I just mentioned. Is that it's one thing to say, boy, those people need Jesus, right? That just comes from our culture, from our background, from our political leanings. Who's ever the other person, we always think they're the ones who need Jesus, right? So Jesus, please make them like me. Now, of course, sorry, that is sarcasm. But that's what I find like, oh my gosh, I'm praying that God would make people like me. And Jesus is like, oh my God, how long is this guy? Um, but just the passion to love our neighbors and get Jesus' heart on loving our neighbors, especially those who are so different than us, right? The coworker, the person in class that, you know, you know, that at times feels like, you know, like sandpaper against us to say, God, give me a love for them that's greater than my own, my own stuff. Help me lay down my stuff. I find that God, the people that God uses, when God breaks through, this is one of the things it's that, that, that we have passion. We're overwhelmed with the love that God has for other people. Right? Paul, right? Uh, Paul going into Philippi, I want to spread the gospel. These people need to know. Having that heart. Right? Uh, Jonah, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I want him to judge the city. It's really the lesson of, of Jonah, right? God's like, no, I love these people. I have compassion on them, right? And then the last thing is personal. I was taught to have an enlightenment view of how I reached, how, we, how I talk to other people. I need an argument. I need a logical thought train argument to, you know. So I talk to somebody, they go, I believe this. Well, let me tell you what you believe. Let me shoot holes in what you believe, and they shoot holes in what I believe, right? Whatever, you know, to make sure that you had a good apologetic. And what I found is that when I started looking for Waldo, so to speak, it's almost like what God wanted me to be is more personal. It's a, a caring curiosity. It's not just trying to get into a little bit of a spiritual discussion so I can like, ha-ha, I gotcha. You know what I mean? It's not that right? It's not a sales pitch. It's, care, it's a caring curiosity, right? So somebody says, I just believe the universe always does this. It's like, hey, so tell me more about that. Like, like, do you believe that that happens this way? Is that, so you feel like that's, like the universe deals out justice? But to really go into it, like, I really want to understand what they mean by that statement. Like, tell me about that. Oh, so do you, do you think it's this way or do you think it's that? Like, where have you seen that, you know? And, and to really get into discussions, who speaks to people spiritually without an agenda? Like, who, you know, 
maybe that's one of the things that we call to find the person of peace. It's, it's when you walk around, you're going, so what do you think? Like, I've always thought that. Well, tell me more about it. We're curious to know what they want. We're not on a mission to, to capture somebody. We're not on a mission to sell somebody Jesus. Jesus is like, oh, don't sell me, you know, right? It's the woman at the well. Come here, the man who taught me everything, who, sh- who taught me, show me everything about my life, right? It's showing up. It's, it's Paul showing up and Lydia saying, oh, no, no, this is it, right? Uh, and we, you go with them, but that's that, that loving, you love them, and it's that curiosity, right? Come in here. When Paul is in jail in Colossians, Colossians 4 says this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that may, we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And then let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. We're always praying, God, season, like, give me an answer. Give me your spiritual insight that I would know what to say. And I, I love, I, so that's how I like to frame that, that we have this, we have this curiosity about people, that we really, we really love them, we really want to know what they're doing so that we could actually get into um, a conversation that is meaningful for them. How do you start where they're at, not try to get them to where I'm at? And I have been guilty of that. No, 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 you need to get where I'm at, right? Um, And just because I believe in great Christian Orthodox thinking and it makes sense to me, doesn't mean that everybody gets there, especially now, right? Especially in our day. Uh, I have two daughters in college, and they, um, they are so amazing at sniffing out any agenda, right? It just, it's, they're just incredibly wise at it. Somebody goes like, hey, you should do that. I'm like, I know where that's going, you know? I'm like, oh, man, I can't get, any, I can't get anything by them, right? You know what it's like to be a dad? You try to do the dad thing, and it's not always easy. But the idea is that um, they understand if somebody has an agenda, and they see it very, very quickly. And I think one of the things that we need to really think about and why I love this, this kind of thinking that I want to encourage you with today, this is not the only way, but I want us to encourage, like, wait a minute, it, let's take the, how do we take, in a really, really great way, how do we take the agenda out of it? Well, in, in closing, um, if you remember the, the story that Jesus tells about the sower in the seed. He goes, he goes out and he, he sows seed. Some fell on the hard ground, some fell on some fell on good soil, some fell on the path. It just fell all over the place. And, and the first thing you think of is this. You go, this guy's a terrible farmer because he's, he's sowing seed everywhere. But I think the point here is this, is that it's like that's, that's maybe the model for our life, to sow everywhere. Everywhere you go. And I know this is going to sound silly. Like, every time you go with someplace, like, God, are you working here? Like, I go to Smart and Final to pick up things before I walk in. I'll be like, God, is there anybody in this store you want me to talk to? Right? And um, 
And just, just to put it out there, every, you know, if I'm around my neighborhood, as I'm driving out of my neighborhood, God, is there anybody in this neighborhood that you want, that you want to work in? Right? So everywhere, we're just, we're just sowing seed. And you'll never know what God will do to bring to the surface that person that God says, yes, I have somebody. Again, let me encourage you. God's placed you perfectly within your families, within your neighborhoods, your living space, the people that you come in contact with, how you walk around. Uh, the, again, the people in your, your classes in, in college, your, your majors and the things you're emphasizing, you will never know. And if you start asking God, on a regular basis, he might surprise us with what he's doing. Jesus' words, right? Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send people in. The worker, you know, the harvest is big. It's plentiful. The workers are few. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God that cares about people. Would you give us your heart to care about other people? Thank you that we see in your word that uh, you want everybody, every nation, every language to know you. Would you give us your heart for every culture? And Jesus, um, we see that you prepare people. Would you give us eyes to see and understanding to see where you might be working in our very, uh, in our very midst? And as a, as a church, Father, um, would we have energy and excitement because we see you working. And we pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.